Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous. Together we are finding the joy in the journey of life. Today we have John Spike with us. His Twitter handle is at Mr. Underscore J Spike. Uh, and we are chatting about games, games, and more games. John and I both have a passion about playing board games and card games, bringing people together. It's just, it's just a fabulous time. And I really wanted to get John on this episode 95 of uh, Well Played because today is the launch of a brand new hashtag, and that is XPLAP Game Night. And this is going to be for our first ever slow play game, Railroad Inc., which you can check out the video that's been out for a week to teach you how to play. Hopefully, you've already shared that with your friends, your family, your students, your colleagues, and you've all printed off and you're ready to go for today's, uh, for the start of it. Today's the, the first day. But that's just a little promo. Let's get into this games, 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 and more games. John, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, so my name is John Spike. Uh, I am currently a coordinator of instructional technology and integration services at University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. It's basically a long title uh, for basically helping pre-service teachers use tech and good teaching practices, uh, getting them ready to be future teachers uh, is really what I do. And John, you would be amazing at that role. I mean, John is a fun speaker. You should definitely come see him present wherever and whenever you can. I know he's going to be at ISTE for sure this year. Uh, that's a usual stop for, for John, and I'm pretty certain you can always see him there. Uh, but you're also like a big member in like Games for Ed chat. Uh, you, I mean, you definitely have been part of XP Lab chat. Uh, this is just this is just who people like you and I are, right? Like it's 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 woven into us playing games and thinking about games. Really, I sometimes wonder if my life is just a series of like events in between games I play. It's like how can I get more people to play games because I want more games and less series of events in between games. I think that's a, I think that's a fair analogy. Um, you know, I always like to think about, uh, you know, games are just a series of, you know, interesting choices. And I think uh, that's what life is too, right? It's a series of interesting choices uh, and, and how you approach those choices are really important. Yeah. So down to this idea of games being just a series of choices, what are some choices you've made lately? What are some games you have gotten to the table with friends, family? How do you get those games to the table? There's just so much we can dive into here. Let's start with what you have been maybe playing. Yeah, I was just uh, I was just thinking when you kind of brought up, hey, we should talk about some games we play lately. Uh, my brother just pulled out one. It was kind of one of those serendipitous moments like I had this game on my wish list. My brother took out a game called Citadels uh, recently and played Citadels. And what I really liked about the game is... Had you, know, you, ever, played, games, had you ever played it before? I had not, no. Okay, just checking. So it was fun because my brother is very much in my brain of how he teaches a game, but that's a whole other deal for another day. Uh, but <laughs> uh, what's interesting about the game, what I really like is you, a lot of games you're locked into your role. Or maybe there's little variants. You have your role, your special power. But in this game, like your role changes each round. You get to draft it, and people kind of are playing based on what role they think you have. But I like it because each round's a little different. Your power's a little different. You can do the same basic mechanics, but your your ability's always changing. You're always kind of trying to second guess what other people's is. And it adds a really interesting kind of mysterious quality to like a pretty traditional mechanic of 
gather the most, you know, cards that are worth the most value, right? Yeah, but they have that like hidden sort of role selection. So you're like drafting a card as it gets passed as cards as it gets passed around. So the first person to draft a card knows all the available options because a couple mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's one or two cards are out of play each round. Yep. But like so only that first person would know officially these two never existed. Then they pass it to the next player. You know, they know all but three, all but two, right? And eventually that last person like really has no clue, but then like one of these fun, like exploding moments that can happen, you know, like where everybody kind of roars laughing is some of the roles like have to like guess. Well, I don't want to say guess who's doing it, but like, like if you're the robber, you're hoping that, the, that I could rob you, John, who's got stacks of money in front of him. And I can't just say I'm robbing John. You say you're robbing whatever player selected this role and that role might not even be in play. Or mm-hmm. that role might not be John, and it's like, darn it, I stole from the guy that's got one coin. Like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> yep. There's a role out there that can eliminate a role, but again, you could misfire. You could assume, like, that person had to have gone for the most powerful role. I'm going with them, and you killed somebody who wasn't really a threat, or maybe you missed. Uh, just adds a lot of kind of chaos to, once again, like, they came with a very simple game, gather coins, buy these parts of your city, and make a great city, but... You're playing this kind of game within a game of trying to guess people's intentions and what they draft. Yeah. If if this discussion about a game is sort of tickling any of you guys out there and you're like, this sounds great. I want to know more about games. I just want to put in a plug for a recent YouTube video I put out that was my t- sort of, well, I don't know if I call it my top 10 because I put it in no particular order, but just 10 games that are great for the classroom and the family room. Uh, check that out. It's on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Mr. Matera. Uh, it's a fun video to put together. Hard to just pare down to 10. Now, John, uh, I mean, you just shared with us one Citadels, but like that was just a recent play. Would you agree? Like it'd be, it'd be tough for you to like pick. I mean, you could do it, but like you'd have to sit down and think about it for a while. If you had to pick your top 10. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in previous chats that we've had, uh, it's really tough. And I, I do the same thing that I do with movies. Like I say, okay, let's talk genres or we're talk about like a theme for making me pick my best games. I don't know that I could sit down and give you 10, but I might say, here are my top five. Like if you want to get really into deep into a role and role play in a game, or these are my top five, if you wanted to have ones um, that are just fun, like getting people laughing games, or these are my top five. If you want to make it like your own and mod the game or, you know, you could have all these different themes to your top tens, I really feel like. Yeah. So I'll say one that I played uh, recently that I just loved. Uh, I shared a little bit about it in the top 10 video, but uh, I love this, this new game I got called Trap Words. It's, it's just, they took, a, as you were sort of saying, about citadels they took an old concept that being taboo where you you had to like get the other person to say a word and then there's a list of five you couldn't use but this time you don't know what the five words are it's like the other team writes down the five words you can't say and you have to like i'd have to still try to get you to say the word john but like oh i'm sitting here like constantly like worried about like oh did they write that word down and then there's this like giant meta game. Do they write down the four or five obvious words, or do they assume you're not going to say the four or five obvious words and then write down four or five others that could trap you? Um, it's it's 
it's an awesome game. Uh, it's been, and there, there's other twists and turns to the game. That is just like the core mechanic. They they have a few other things. They have like these little curses that come on you, and like you have to like sometimes sometimes only say like you're only allowed to say ten words. Like that's hard. <laughs> uh, you you have to be very choosy. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's that's that was a great game, but it produces a lot of laughs, a lot of thinking, and a great game that you can mod, which is something I know you and I have. Uh, experimented with in our classrooms where you kind of take a pre-built game and tailor it for your classroom. Uh, I think trap words would be awesome for a review uh, in a, in a, in a classroom. Yeah. Uh, actually speaking of modding um, just brings up a project I'm working on right now is trying to make kind of a, a resource hub for educators and students to make their own games uh, called game store me to you. And one of the games I just remodded that I'm 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 really having a lot of fun with is uh, the game Balderdash, which is one of my favorite games, like just creative games. Um, and I, I modded it for kind of the fake news kind of thematic nice. point, and it works really well because the idea of the game is you're trying to get people to believe your fake answer. So um, I've taken some ca- categories like tweets or headlines or hoaxes, and so uh, the game produce I've 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 curated all these kind of hard to believe headlines or hoaxes that people believed or tweets that are from celebrities that are kind of shocking. And then the challenge is you mix those in with other people's submissions. And hopefully the realization is that students kind of come up with, Oh my gosh, I was fooled by something that my classmate wrote. Um, How much do I need to be thinking and self-reflecting about how easy it'd be to see fake content and buy into it on the internet? Um, So it's kind of a, that that process so that was a fun mod uh, that just came to mind as you're talking about game modding i hope you have or if you haven't that you will do so immediately after this i hope you've shared that link with julie smith because i think that would be fun in her college class uh her media studies class i will tweet immediately if not sooner to her nice (laughs) uh and that's awesome. If you could send me the link to your site, I'll put it in our show notes and, you know, help uh, get other people towards that. I think that's a great, can be a great resource. And again, John, you're, this is just your wheelhouse. I mean, so that's awesome that you're going to share that talent with all of us. Well, I think you and I, like you said at the beginning of the show, we're, we're both gamers at heart and we're trying to find ways to make games a meaningful experience and, and also just, you know, bring back some of that joy into the classroom and, and games have a way of doing that, but they also are very clever at, at cultivating, you know, just these skills are very transferable and they're just plain fun. It, it's so much fun. I mean, maybe that's where we should go here on this chat. Cause I feel like while board gaming is a industry that's experiencing tremendous growth, <laughs> it's experiencing tremendous growth because it's so small you can have you can have incredible growth, right. uh, and I just can't say it enough. I try to say it on my YouTube channel, say it in here. Like there's there's something about a board game or a card game that I just don't think gets replicated in a in a video game or I don't know. Like I just think there's something unique about playing a game with somebody else. There's there's the fellowship that I think comes with maybe having a meal with somebody like you're at that table together. And as you pointed out, like they can produce some wonderful laughs, some meaningful memories all the while, like challenging your mind. Uh, I think it's a great, 
value proposition for families as well as as well as teachers. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and what I like is the field is getting really diversified. Um, one one company that I thought has actually gone. Do you remember the old "You Don't Know Jack"? Uh, yeah. Like that trivia game. Like I didn't realize they somehow survived the late '90s and they're still going. <laughs> and they make um, a kind of a digit, kind of a digital but physical digital like kind of combo um, Jackbox games. Have you ever heard of those? Yeah. Um, and they kind of do like it's through your TV on your device, but it's it's a lot like the board games of old. And we played one the other night with just friends called TKO, and I loved it because it was just pure generation like creative, creative generation. You first started by drawing some drawings. They gave you some generic prompts. You drew drawings. Other times you were asked to come up with just random thoughts that came into your head based on ideas. And then on your screen, you got all these generated t-shirts that had either somebody's drawing and somebody else's slogan. And you tried to put together the most hilarious, compelling, entertaining t-shirt you could. And then we voted on them. And I, I just love, you know, what people are doing for creative board games, uh, games where you're just coming up with these unique ideas and then, um, you know, seeing how, you know, where people took an idea. Um, that one was one of my most enjoyable gaming experiences. And it's kind of a bridge between the physical and the digital. That's really cool. Uh, you know, on that note of, you know, idea generation and that, that board games like or game the game industry is constantly like growing and evolving and i don't know it seems like how do people continue to come up with these different game mechanics i mean last year alone 2018 which wasn't necessarily like the greatest year in board gaming or anything <laughs> uh i was reading the other week that 6000 board games got released last year 6000 brand new board it's crazy. games like and you know, I'm sure a vast majority of them are not very good and we'll never hear of them. <laughs> but like when you when you have six thousand being created, you know, there's gonna be, I don't know, a couple hundred that are really, really good. And if that's right. happening every year, that's I don't know, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and I think, you know, before when when I was growing up, I feel like it was very hard to get your game on the shelf and now you know just because of the explosion of the internet you've got all these kickstarter games that are hitting the market that may make it on a wing and a prayer um to like your your stores but i think even the big box stores are seen really expanding their collections and i've seen some outside the box games you know some of those cult mm -hmm. board games making it into like a target uh, yeah target game like collection used to be just the you know standard monopoly <laughs> like risk and uh yeah, like you're saying, now there starts to be a little more of the cult games. Like uh, you can get Settlers of Catan, some Ticket to Rides. You can get uh, Betrayal at the House on the Hill was there. And I was dang. Like, oh, okay, Target. Okay, Target. You're <laughs> you're leveling up. Nice. Um, and I mean, like, I just want to give a plug too for like friendly game stores. If you have one in your area, um, you know, try to support them. They're they're and definitely use them as a resource. They could suggest you plenty of great games to get as well um so okay i gotta say <laughs> you know i want to like share out a few more game game tales and game stories that uh might help people get started here in 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 picking up games uh so again if, check out that video but uh, i'm going to suggest some things outside that video uh there is uh 
a game that I played this week that was just mind-bogglingly good. It's called Grim Forest. Uh, have you played it? I have not. Heard good things, though. Heard good things. Ooh, is it good? It's just dripping with theme. You're like the... It's a four-player game. Everybody's a, one of the pigs trying to like make a, make their house. And you can make any... I mean, it doesn't matter. Like you can make the straw, you can make the wood, you can make the brick. But it's dripping with theme. There's these like fable cards that kind of monkey with the other players and what they're doing, but they all fit this context of these fables. Uh, you can get, I think they're called, oh yeah, you can get a friend. The friend gives you like a special power. Those are all thematic. Uh, I think the friend I got was the gingerbread man and like he would allow me to steal one of your resources, but if we ever shared the same space, I'd have to give you that resource back. Um, There's like some hidden little like bluffing, like there are these three resource spots you can go to. If we share the same spot, we have to divide the resources. If you go there and no one else goes there, you get all the resources yourself. So trying to like think like, where's John going to (laughs) go? And a lot of these fable cards mess with like, if people go to the same spot as you, this bad thing can happen. So like trying to, I don't know, there's just, it was simple to learn, lots of fun and dripping with theme. And it was just a wonderful experience with uh, family and friends. So I I would suggest that one. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. You were talking, you're talking about 2018 and the games. And one theme I thought I saw emerge was like the puzzle games kind of come to a forefront. Like I thought there were a lot more puzzle games that kind of got more press. I I I would agree. And one that, that really was a big hit with my family, just because we, you know, my brother has young children was King Domino, uh, which is uh, uh, kind of a, a classic and I, I think it kind of fits in with this because, like you said, I think a great game, it's simple to play and learn and teach, but there's, it's so complex, like the decisions you make. Like in that one, you had all these, you know, everybody's, it's a very simple thing, build your house, right? But there's so many different ins yeah. and outs that go in with it. And this is a simple game too, right? Build, you know, the most diverse kingdom that gets you the most uh, points, but you place these tiles and you draft these tiles, you know, and you have to think about order. Like if I get a better tile... I get to choose later in the next round and everybody's kind of on their own doing their own mission. But at the same time, you kind of keep an eye on their kingdom. What are they going for? Do I block them or do I keep making mine better? You know, do I take that tile that's going to make my brother hate me for like the next few hours at the party or do I not, you know, like what, what But like that here? brings up a good point. Like even like being cognizant of the fact that like you could grab this tile and gain four points or you can grab this other tile and stop your opponent from gaining eight points. That's actually better, you know, like in the end, that's right. better for you. But well, other players who didn't block now reap the benefits of me taking a hit for the other team or the, my, myself. It's true. And that game, for anybody that hasn't played it, yeah, I'm not going to really go over all the rules here, but it's not that hard to learn, and it's really centered around this, like, more thematic version of dominoes. Mm-hmm. Um but there's some unique twists to it, a little different like scoring mechanisms than dominoes, but great play. And as John's saying, super fun. I play it with my daughter. I think she played it the first time when she was seven. And I also play it with adults. I mean, like it's just it's just a solid game and small. Like you really can travel with that one. Yeah, I might try to see if that'll make the trip down to Florida with me um, you know, this week. So Yeah, that's a good one. 
that was a good suggestion. Uh, going back to like one of your other comments about uh, bridging that that sort of play space between digital and not digital. Uh, I played a few games this past year that involved like an app as an extension to the board game. So it's not it's not like you're only playing on the app. This isn't an app only version, which some board games have gone that way of playing on the app. But this we're talking about fusing the two and two that I'd love to share would be one was Chronicles of Crime. That came out last year. Have you heard about this one? Uh heard of it, haven't played it. Chronicles of Crime is like a deduction game where you're trying to like figure out and solve the crime. Uh, but it's rather unique in that they gave you this like huge deck of cards. There's like pictures of suspects, there's pictures of items, you know, like that could cause the crime. There's locations, but then there's zero text on the cards, just a picture of the library with a QR code next to it. Mm-hmm. And this way, like, the at you scan the library so the the game knows you're playing game one and so then it like takes all those qr codes and it knows that like it's in relation to game one so going to the library maybe you meet the librarian and they tell you something you know but like in game two like it would be totally different but the other thing that the app can do that a board game couldn't do on its own is it can be time dependent in that like each time you do something, so every action you take is like counts as like five minutes of time in the game or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I could like, the librarian could say like, I don't know anything. And I could choose to stay there and like say, I'm going to spend more time like pressing them for more information. And they might cave. Or I may leave the library, go somewhere else, and then double back to the library. And like, it might trigger something in the game. Or you might be too late, you know, like you may get someplace and then there would have been somebody there, but you didn't come in time. So the game's constantly changing based on your decisions with the use of the app. And extra like added sweet bonus if you have it. Uh, and I know you do, so this is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, you can play with uh, like VR headset and... When you get nice. to a location and have to inspect like the crime scene or whatever, one of you can put on the headset and have to kind of be like explaining what you're seeing to the other players. I like that a lot. Uh, I think what's really cool about bridging the physical and digital is that adds so much replayability. I mean, that digital component, as you described, can really take the limitations of physical. And like you said, playthrough one can be totally different than playthrough five based on that QR code and what's triggered and what the app knows. So I think, you know, as much as, you know, you and I, you know, we might argue that we're a little bit of purists and we love our physical board games. You know, I, I do. don't play a ton I do. digitally. Like I don't, I don't play Catan in VR, which is an option now. Cause I, I don't know why it feels like sacrilege to me, but the fact that we can have this best of both worlds, we can have our physical game sit down face to face with our buddies, but have this, kind of living, breathing apparatus that goes along with it is very exciting to me. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the other one that I played with the app this year was one called Stop Thief. This is by a company called Restoration Games, which is kind of a cool company philosophy. They buy the rights to old games, like 1980 games, 1960 games, whatever. And then 
they take it and they don't just reprint it. They're they're trying to restore it, like in terms of like bring it up to modern day mechanics, but still kind of hold true a little bit to with the experience. And Stop Thief is this idea that like there's a crime being committed and you have to catch this guy. But what the app does is it adds these little sound effects. So if you hear like a door creak, you know that the robber just went through a door. And like you're constantly like trying to take these audio clues and deduce where like he would have to be on the board. So if he went door and then he went three steps and then he went through a window, like where on the board would that possibly fit? Oh, he can only be here or here. And then like we're all sort of trying to race to be the one that catches him. And by catching him, you you get so much money and it's like first to a certain amount of money. Oh, nice. I like that a lot. Um, just, you know, again, reimagining how you approach, you know, standard mechanics. And it's also a great, like critical thinking exercise for students too. like re reskin or, or redo the mechanics of a game to work for this topic or this idea is a really cool activity for them to do or reimagine a traditional game is, is definitely a, like a higher order thinking uh, yeah. challenge, I think. Though what I do with some of my students uh, being sixth grade is I like to go with the re-theme of a game. So they're, they're not yeah. bogged down in trying to like figure out balanced mechanics or anything like right. that. But like, hey, this is one of my favorite space games. You guys really love it. It's super popular at my game club, you know. But I, as being a history teacher, would love it if it was like a Roman theme. Like, <laughs> can you figure out a way that would like fit thematically to turn that spaceship into a chariot to turn this thing into like a leader you know like a roman mm-hmm. leader and by and large there's a lot of games that you could just reskin that way and but it's a wonderful exercise to really like have the student think through what would it be what would that spaceship be what would hey in this game this spaceship super fast oh this one's like super slow but it can hold more what have we learned in roman history that would like fit that bill yeah, I, I think one of the best brainstorming ideas for a student, if you're doing that reskin activity, is this historical figure or this character from this text that we read. You know those roles in that game. What, what character is this role most like, and why? That's a really, you know, that's a higher order activity. You know, for them to think about like which role really embodies that and why, or what's not perfect about that role, or what would you add to that role? What would their power be in this game? Um, you know, it would be a really good question to ask a student. I know this it's breaking my heart. Like I'm looking at the clock and I know we only have like <laughs> mere minutes left. Uh, so before we get to reflection time, John, do you have like any last game shout out you want to give? Um, you know, one, one that is, has been absolutely been a hit, uh, that was on your list. Uh, again, check out Michael's top 10 YouTube. Like it, it is the bane of my existence now because I'm going to go and probably buy like the eight out of the 10 that I didn't already own. So thank you, Michael. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sending you the bill, my Amazon bill. Nice. Uh, but I five minute dungeon, uh, everybody I've played it with has loved it. Um, new gamers, you know, gamers of old, you know, regulars that I play with. And then uh, they just came out with an expansion uh, that adds a lot of, you know, kind of fun wrinkles to it. New role. Do you um, have the expansion? I just, yeah. Oh, I kickstarted it. Yeah. It's a, it's a sickness, but I can quit whenever I want. I just want you to know that. No, you can't. <laughs> but, uh, that one just has really been a hit and, and that's one I can kind of pull out and, and everybody will, will just get into it. Cause they, I don't think 
people who have played more traditional games haven't seen something like that. You know, you don't always see a co-op. You don't see something that's that high octane. Um, you don't see something like that that requires that kind of my students fast pace. Love it. I pull that one out at like the end of my study hall if they've all been good, or like I'll play it in the morning when I have those kids that get dropped off sort of early. It's just super fun and like it's highly collaborative. So I don't know. I think it's a great game. I think y'all should check it out. Uh, but now we have reflection time. Uh, this one, uh, this is a quote that I think really does fit and can resonate with the topic that we're talking about today here, John. And it's by Andrew Ryan Bioshock. And it is a really, I think it's a solid quote. You ready for it? I am. I am. All right, here we go. We all make choices in life, but in the end, our choices make us. Yeah. How does that, you know, hit you in relation to what we're talking about? How does that connect with games and and kind of the playful learning we're talking about? Yeah, I think what you heard uh, during this, you know, vodcast, podcast, what have you, uh, is we talked about games that gave us really meaningful choices, right? You know, we talked about these games and we were oozing with all this struggle of the choices we had to make. And in the end, you know, the choice you make said a little bit about you, you know, are you a little bit more cutthroat? Are you a little bit more, I just want to see what happens here. Or, you know, uh, you know, I just, you know, I'm in it for the great story. I'm going to do this, you know, because of that. And so I think the choices we make in games reflect us, uh, just like, you know, the choices we make in life. So it's, it's a deep quote, but it also, I think speaks to the types of games we have a passion for games that give you these really interesting choices that say a lot about who you are um, and how you choose to play, um, why you do the things you do. Uh, I really like that quote. Yeah, I do too. I feel like uh, that's one of the things I like about a game is kind of seeing in the end, like kind of looking back at the choices I made over that five minutes, if it was a short board game or the choices, you know, I made or that all of us have made, you know, in a, in a bigger game. That, that resulted in this end result, right? That like, here I have the score. Oh man, I came up five points short. Where, where did I make that? Like, <laughs> where did I make that choice that put me five points short? Uh, or what choice did, did my opponent make that like put him, him or her five points ahead of me? Uh, I just love that. And I like instantly kind of want to be in that spot again. And as you said, <laughs> you know, games present us choice throughout the entire game and there's those meaty choices and those big decisions but it's that there's also all those hidden little decisions that you didn't even give much thought to but like oh man over the course of a 90 minute game it adds up to like i'm five points short oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> i love it uh Absolutely. well thank you john so much for lending your expertise i always love having you on this this uh well-played podcast uh, you're you're just a wealth of knowledge and just a fun fun guy to chat with. Right back at you, Michael. And everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. I really appreciate it. And this week again, being the launch of that new hashtag XPLAP Game Night, and it is the start. Today is day one of that slow play game railroad inc so hopefully download your copy and again share with your students share with your friends share with your colleagues share with everybody we can make this game epic and huge i'd love to see what you guys are coming up with so share out tweets of you and your students and whoever playing the game 
Uh, but as always, enjoy your week and play on.